0: Future Commerce is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex Cloud is for businesses of all sizes, from small and medium-sized businesses all the way to enterprise. You can find out how Vertex can help your business by visiting them online at VertexCloud.com/slash future commerce. Future Commerce is brought to you by Omnisend. Omnisend is way more than just email marketing, more sales, and combine more channels with one platform. Learn more about Omnisend today at Omnisend.com com future commerce pop quiz are you torn between hiring an email marketer or a growth marketer at the start of 2021 well that is just so 2020 because with marketer hire you can staff a team of expert marketers on an hourly part-time or full-time basis so stop looking for that one do-it-all marketer and instead work with pre-vetted experts from marketer hire Future Commerce listeners can receive a $500 credit when signing a contract before January 31st, 2021. Don't delay. Go right now to marketorhire.com slash podcast to claim this offer.
1: Hello and welcome to Future Commerce, the podcast about Next Generation Commerce, I'm Brian. A
0: little pause there, Brian, I like it. <laughs> I'm Philip, And uh, today we have Sutarita Kadali, the Vice President and Principal Analyst at Forrester, coming back to the show for, I think, the fourth time making her the fourth most frequent time. guest we've ever had. Has it
2: Welcome been four? Welcome back to the
0: show. It's been four.
2: It's always so fun to talk to you guys. So thanks for having me back.
0: Well, I'm glad I haven't you. been picked
2: off. Forget? I haven't been blacklisted yet.
0: <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Not um, yet. I think that we're still in your good graces. You continue to come back on. We thank you for it. And who could forget your greatest hits, zucchini and a cucumber pile. Can't forget that one. Um, <laughs> you've been quoted a few times this year. I'll just kind of like get right into it. We're going to talk about 2020 in retro. And I, I want to get your take from your vantage point in the ecosystem because you have such a unique uh, perspective because you get to see the inside of uh, so many businesses and you get to look at the whole ecosystem um, uh, and, and, and but just kind of thinking back, there was something that happened this year that brought back a conversation that we had with you a couple of years ago, early on in the beginning of the podcast, which was you had said, like, in the future, brands should be thinking about how they can become marketplaces. And I think we see more of that today playing out than ever before. And if if you had asked me a few years ago, I would have said that that's crazy. But hey, you said it, and it's come to pass. I, In 2017, I, I think no less. 2017, you <laughs> said it. Um,
2: well, thank you for, so. for remembering that. Yeah, no. Well, it's uh, it, yeah, it's been it has been amazing. It's been, I think, a uh, part of it is the, um, the success. I think, of course, of, of Amazon just showing the possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have. Service providers, I think that you know companies like Miracle and others that have facilitated it, really.
0: And it's so interesting too, because if you think back to the old days, I'm I'm an old guy in e-commerce now, but you think back to um, the the language of e-commerce that was pioneered by not only the early dot coms but like Indeca um, back in the day, and they sort of s- created service and productized, you know, the language of e-commerce, which is now very commonplace everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, effectively, that's, you know, what the miracles of today are doing, I think, for uh, brands that are not named Amazon. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to see that pick up in the space. But anyway, you are, you are the uh, soothsayer, the, the prognosticator, you, you, you're telling our future. Uh, what, do, what can we learn from 2020, Sucharita, that we can uh, that we could take away? What was the theme of this year besides pandemic land?
2: right right oh my goodness um yeah i i I don't know that we will ever have in our lifetimes again a year like this year, but um mm-hmm. I think that uh if I had to summarize um the the broad theme, I would say it was divergence and um you know, not like the novel, but uh you know just, uh, <laughs> just, just kind of um you know just uh, haves and have-nots. It was the difference, you know, divergence in political thought. It was Mm. divergence in, um, you know, essential versus non-essential. Divergence in, um, you know, kind of people who received aid versus didn't receive aid. Employed versus unemployed. Everything, every aspect of every part, I feel, of 2020, whether it was in business or whether it was in politics and attitudes or financial outcomes, um, you know, it was, you were, you were either lucky or you weren't. And, um, that's what I would say was what, you know, was the big characteristic of this year.
1: Hmm. I think that's really interesting. I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Um, and, and I, I wonder, is that, is that theme, a theme that you think is going to stick with us or? Are, are we gonna is, it, is it, are we gonna keep that contained to 2020?
2: <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I hope th- that it's contained to 2020 because I, I don't know how much longer we can have you know just so much um, a fractionalization um, a fractionalization um, you know you can have so much um, just uh, inequity um, that that is um, prevalent. Uh, so, but I don't know how we we get out of it though, you know I mean mm-hmm. that's the the challenge is um, you know, even if we were to to well, and I guess that you know kind of so, so there there are different levels here, right? There's what's happening in the world, issues like unemployment and growing inequality in society. I don't know if there's any easy solution, and I don't know if that is something that will change substantially in 2021. Um, Mm. With respect to business, however, where you have some sectors that have been just doing phenomenally well, the best that they've ever done before, like say for instance, the essential retail sector, and uh, you take other categories like um, hospitality, Um, You know, is 2021 going to be any better for them? Probably a little Mm. bit, but not substantially better. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, but does, but are they, is that a permanent decline? Or is it, is it just kind of a complete recalibration that's going to probably change their business, but they'll recover eventually. And, and I think that um, it's probably more of the latter that, you know, that it'll just be a longer recovery. But, there will be some form of a recovery, um, and that's that's a more fixable issue, I guess. So, um, so, so that's that's what I would I would say is is that you know I mean twenty twenty one I think that we're all optimistic, we're all hoping for for the best. Some things will be better, um, but uh, it's it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it's going to take months to get the vaccines distributed, and then it will still take a while for people to feel comfortable resuming their old lives mm-hmm. and um and you know that may be until you know next summer at the earliest probably
1: yeah well, we're we're diving like full into covid conversation here <laughs> uh and yeah so looking back I, how could you not right yeah, like right that's right? That's, yeah. that's that's the world that 2020 was so i would love to just you know get your takeaways on, on how retailers and brands sort of respond to and like, well, and how they fared during sort of the pandemic, like the initial response where we settled in, like where you saw investments being made, um, lessons learned, things like that. Um, so maybe we could start to to chat and dive in on some of that.
2: So retail, um, I I think, had a huge, you know, basically had a huge kick in the pants, right? I mean, this, this was... Um, Something that was just happened so quickly, and they'd never seen before, and never anticipated that the entire country would would shut down. And um, you know, the, the, there was literally nothing that you know you were not going to get, like any kind of a bailout package or anything to to support you in, in the process. And um, and I think that what that did is that forced a lot of companies to quickly change and pivot and do things. Um, that had taken them probably ten years to even you know think about, uh, you know because topics like curbside pickup or um, you know in- inventory visibility across channels, I mean, how many companies um, would talk about that? But then it would they would hem and haw right. over actually getting it done, and you know lo and behold, when they were forced to do it, they were able to do it in like a few weeks. So um so so i think that it showed the possibility of how fast things can move when you set your mind to it and everyone's aligned um is that going to that could now that that change is you know if they were able to bottle that um energy and you know kind of be able to unleash it in the right strategic moments i think that that would be fantastic for retail but what i worry about is that that's not the lesson they take away, mm. um, you know that it's sort of like, okay, we dodged a bullet, we're still alive, you know it's back to business as usual, and it's back to you know slow decision making and departments of no and and Ooh. I don't know that that's <laughs> right I mean that's you know and that's yeah and, I it's don't know. True. Yeah. and I, that's that's what I worry about because that's what's inhibited a lot of um you know just innovation in in retail in general it has been you know, kind of reticence to change and um, hesitation to explore, you, you know, kind of new possibilities.
1: So the lesson's going to be, oh, we can make it through a pandemic, not, oh, wow, look what we can do when we're agile. Like right. agility, agility is the future of our business and that's how right. we should go about
0: doing things. <laughs> it's so interesting how we can, you know, it, for all of the talk that businesses have around consumer behavior being forever shifted, uh, no one is talking about enterprise behavior being permanently altered. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. I, I mean, we just have this idea that like there's this nascent, you know, that like we'll all kind of regress back to the mean of things taking forever. I Chadler, Shadler, um, one of your colleagues, had a report earlier this year called The Pandemic Recession Demands a Digital Response. There was a lot in there that I think talked a lot about like the CIO uh, role becoming much more prominent in the acceleration, you know, this this recurrent theme that uh, uh, we've heard Scott Galloway and others talk about about COVID being an accelerant. The the CIO and CDO role in an organization was uh, prioritized above all this year because that's where that's where the innovation was required. Is is that something? I mean, not to get you to comment on another colleague's piece, but is that is that something that we can see? Is like you know, it takes thirty days to form a habit. We've all been in that state of mind and the enterprise side for 10 plus months, is that something that's here to stay or or is the world of enterprise or, or you know, e-commerce and marketplaces kind of just going to regress back to their old ways?
2: I hope that it is a change. And, I, and that's a really astute point is that they could see this as, you know, kind of we you know, this is the fastest we've moved before. We have, we're doing things radically differently um, and it's Mm. working for us or not maybe in some cases, but in many cases, I think it is, Um, you know, is this something we move forward with? I mean, I think we've had this discussion a little bit around things like work from home because that's the most visible switch. And, Mm. um, you know, kind of there's um, a thesis that, oh my gosh, this is going to completely transform corporate real estate because um, everybody's going to work from home because, you know, people are finding they can be just productive at home. And there's a part of me that's like, I think that probably about 20% of it will switch but the other eighty percent is going to go back to the old way, and and I think that that's that's that applies to consumers in some ways too. I think that yes, there will be about you know some portion of it, maybe a fifth that that um, you know the change to digital or the change to contactless payments or you know your online grocery orders or whatever that you switch during the pandemic that will be what continues. You know, but the vast majority I think will go back to the to what was before, and the reason is it's just you know I think that people. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think that business is forever this tension between, you know, kind of, um, doing things more efficiently versus doing things the way you've always done them. And, um, Mm. you know, people are used to, you know, if if it's what works, it's what, you know, you know, it helps you grow a few percentage points a year, which is all that you need to do. Um, it's a lot easier to just stick with that than to to do that something massively disruptive. I don't, I don't think that every business person aims for massive disruption. Um, and I don't know right. that every business person should. Like the best thing right. I read through the whole pandemic was there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about um, this like little Japanese restaurant that was literally over a thousand years old. A thousand years old. It was like one of a handful of businesses in the world that's like a thousand years old. And the whole theme was they are not radical. They don't do crazy things. They're not, they never get in debt. They've never been in debt. It's always been about being, you know, just keeping the business alive for the next generation. And, um, you know, and I think that that is something that often, gets lost is, is this belief that, you know, kind of, you need to be bigger, faster, stronger, huge, you know, kind of more disruptive than, than everybody else when, um, you know, there, there's evidence right here that sometimes, um, you know, that's like the business version of the tortoise and the hare, right?
0: Right. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, good. One it, of- it is, it's very good. Which ones do you think stood out, um, this year? If there are, are there businesses that, will prove more durable. And are they, it's sort of a loaded, it's a double barrel question for you, but is, are those businesses the ones that sort of made these investments that allow, uh, you know, that were well positioned or had the foresight to make these investments early on, you know, things specific to like curbside um, or contactless or, you know, last mile?
2: Um, yeah. And okay, so I'm going to completely, pimp because I, I don't know that, Please. you yeah. know, <laughs> there'll be any, any tortoises that, you, you know, kind of made it, um, you know, kind of really, <laughs> really well through, through the pandemic. I, I do think that companies did have to, um, you know, manage to evolve in, in at least a few ways, um, in, in terms of, you know, kind of, um, survival through, through the pandemic, I think that, um, the companies that were able to conserve cash and do what they needed to do to try to turn inventory and that is where um you know if you shut down your store you reduced your headcount you know and you did introduce things like curbside pickup um or you partnered with delivery partners because you had to Um, I think that those were, you know, and so long as you were still able to at least break even, if not make a little, a little bit of profit, um, you know, those are, those are the businesses that will likely at least be around. Um, and then many of those companies, fortunately interest rates are low. So they drew down cash and they were at least able to pay their rents. So, um, you know, kind of most of their, their biggest expenses, it didn't leave them, um, you know, too it didn't you know wasn't completely catastrophic now they do have to figure out um you know kind of how to pay off you know their loans um you know and that that will i think be something that cuts into innovation in the future um and there there isn't really a great um solution to that um you know that you, we may ultimately end up seeing some consolidation in retail that comes out of this um mm-hmm. that you know because that that is um seemingly a you know just a natural a natural outcome after after distress but um but yeah i mean i i think that if i were to say like who who's going to make it at the end of this um you, you know i mean there were four sectors that really did exceptionally well through the pandemic and it was not at all due to their skill, it was just purely due to their you know good fortune and uh, that right. was the pure play e commerce world um and they you know were all abominable from you know a shipping standpoint at you know kind of mm-hmm. what was available et cetera but um that didn't hurt them because you know that was sort of the only game in town for for a lot of people. It was the do it yourself home improvement retailers, it was the mass merchants, um, and the grocery stores. And uh, those guys, um, you know, I mean, grocery stores, especially, I mean, just even like 24 months ago, we were having conversations, what's gonna happen to grocery? Is it all just gonna die? And, (laughs) you know, it's like, they were just basically, you know, kind of given, like a new heart. And, you know, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's amazing how, how much this, terrible incident has been perhaps the luckiest thing that happened to the entire grocery industry and every supplier downstream from the grocery industry. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so, so those are all businesses that will do well. The questions, the biggest questions that I have is what happens to malls now um, department stores and apparel stores um, and what happens to the restaurant industry and the restaurant industry is is a fascinating one because, again, also 24 months ago, we were like, that is the savior of physical retail. And then, right. you know, who would have anticipated that, you know, kind of you would have, you know, kind of the craziest thing in the world happen where, you know, everything just shuts down and you have this artificial suppression of demand.
0: future commerce is brought to you by vertex vertex cloud is the automation platform for tax calculation and use tax and everything in between for businesses of all sizes from smb all the way to enterprise businesses all over the world trust vertex for their tax calculation needs and you should too check them out today at vertexcloud.com slash future commerce OmniSend is one platform to control all of your marketing channels. From marketing automation, SMS, and email, to forms and segmentation, you can bring together different channels under one platform with OmniSend. OmniSend's powerful platform allows you to link together every customer touchpoint with one dashboard. And did I mention, they have the most transparent pricing in the entire MarTech industry. Find out why brands like Fred Siegel and Unilever trust OmniSend with their customer relationships. Find out more about OmniSend today at omnisend.com slash future commerce. Future Commerce is brought to you by Market or Hire. In a recent Harvard Business Review report, as many as 83% of business leaders reported automation and digitization put strong or extremely strong pressure on their organizations to find skilled talent. And more than 60% said that they'd prefer to rent or borrow or share talent with other companies. This is the marketing gig economy and Marketer Hire has built a network of top talent to help companies including Netflix, Allbirds, Lambda School and hundreds more. You can hire hourly, part-time or full-time with no cancellation fees and no long-term contracts. I'm mm-hmm. This is about getting the right amount of marketing expertise right when you need it. Market or Hire hand matches companies to expert marketers in as little as 48 hours. And you as a future commerce listener can get $500 credit when you sign a contract with Market or Hire before January 31st, 2021. Go claim the credit right now. $500 credit before January 31st. Go to marketorhire.com slash podcast. That's marketorhire.com podcast podcast and tell them that future commerce sent you
1: do you think there's pent-up demand for some of these categories that struggled like like travel like entertainment like restaurants
2: well yeah it was a uh, yes yes i mean it as some say that you know kind of that, that the 19 the roaring 20s seemed like you know a natural you know kind of uh Outcome after you know the mm-hmm. 1918 pandemic, so um, yeah, I, I think that um, when when we look even at regions like China and how they recovered or how they have been recovering, um, you know, there's that concept of revenge shopping where um, you know you have these these companies you know that just do the best they've ever done because people are finally out of their homes, and we saw a little bit of that even in June, right? Because we saw some of those lot some of the lockdowns lifted and, you know, you had, you know, these like Porsche had its like highest month ever. Um, Mm. so there, there is no doubt that, um, that these are, you know, there, there's nothing fundamental about the pandemic that is going to, um, I think, um, cause people's you know, interest in luxury goods, for instance, to to decline. I think that they just, you know, consumers just had less options, right, to to purchase those products. Um, and and yes, you're absolutely right. Like, you, you know, kind of it's, you know, some of that. Now, is it going to make up all everything that was lost? Possibly not. But I do think that you'll have some, you, you know, kind of resurgence um, that will that will definitely, you know, kind of surface in in sales. Travel, I think that. Um, the, you know it's uh, the only thing that would hold that back um is is if there still are people who are just psychologically not prepared um mm-hmm. because you know but I, I i imagine that you know over time that that normalizes um i you know there there may be you know some percent of people who've been Traumatized by the last several months, and you know probably have have no interest in in traveling, you know, in the future. But um, I imagine that you know either um, they recover, or it, you know it uh, it it you know it gradually you know resi- gets back to where it was.
1: Hmm. Do, you, do you feel like the the sort of lack of travel has actually? been a bit of a boom for the u.s economy so the places we could spend money we were spending it and we were spending it domestically because we're spending it at home
2: yeah yeah exactly or you spending it in your towns right you know you weren't right. spending it necessarily in vegas or you know in florida or wherever you know or where you go to conferences or you know wherever they that may be um yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, we did see, there was an analysis, um, I think the New York Times just just did one on like sales tax and, you know, just kind of income taxes and looked at, um, you, you know, kind of where there were recoveries and, you know, kind of how were the financial, um, you know, kind of uh, collections in different states, how did they vary? And states like Minnesota, I think, or have surpluses now, um, mm-hmm. you know, right. and it's happened at the expense, you know, I mean states like Florida and Nevada, which have no income, t- I don't think they have income tax, Florida doesn't, no, I think do that, and uh, Nevada, I don't know if Nevada has income tax, but they have, they're hugely dependent, of course, on the tourism industry, and those two states have, you know, continue to have some of the biggest um, shortfalls. So, so yeah, I think that your, your thesis is, is a, you know, kind of makes, makes a ton of sense that, um, you know, it's been almost kind of like a, you know, kind of, there's been definitely high savings rates, right. Especially amongst more affluent yes. households. And some of that gets, um, you know, and it's not all savings, you know, I mean, some of that money, you know, is just not going to other places. It's, it's staying locally.
0: Well, it, don't forget the Robin hood bros. They're, they're, they're just, <laughs> Something. It's buoyed by the the Yolo walking street Vets crowd. Oh my <laughs> gosh. They're praying Drunk for that six hundred dollars simulator. investing. investing. It's, it's true. It's true. There's a it's, there was. An, it,
2: was that the DoorDash success story? Is that what you're saying? I think so. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I mean, well, you know, the DoorDash was re- revised down to forty dollars target. So we'll see where that one goes. Uh, but there's always Airbnb, I guess. Um, there's an interesting article that was written early in the pandemic that really shaped my thinking around like the effects of or the cyclical nature of the way that uh, the world sort of uh, uh, shapes to our, uh, you know, these kinds of moments and environments. Uh, it was in Slate. It was called the post-pandemic style. It really uh, shaped a piece that I wrote called The New Formal, which was this idea that, hey, you you know unsafe to go to the bar, uh, you're going to bring the bar to the house and people you know, will return to the formal living room and dining room and have much smaller pods of people in um, this sort of like pendulum swing away from, uh, you know, uh, an infinite social circle to a very intimate social circle. Um, people that we trust, people we allow in our homes and you know that will shape an entire generation of people in the way that they socialize and the, I think we were kind of on that track anyway. So, kind of laying the ground there. It's interesting what you said about what happens to malls, Sucharita, and the and this idea that malls were a kind of uh, bastardized commons, where they're they're not really public space, right? They're commercial space, but they were treated as public space for the better part of two to three mm-hmm. decades. And when they become the commons, like there's a there's a, and we and we tie you know, consumerist uh, tendencies or, or a, a consumer driven mindset to be in the commons, like this is the result of what we get. So when we when a, a mindfulness moment happens and shifts back into the culture, we've lost the commons. Now the commons is digital, right? We're moving the commons online. The commons is, t- is Twitter, which you could argue is maybe good or bad for society um, at whole at whole. Like this could move the commons back to public parks, back to places where people feel safe to be feel like there's like a real opportunity here um, that is probably not great for retail as we know it, but maybe better for the overall health and and the the ongoing existence of humanity. Maybe the thousand-year Japanese, you know, restaurant can exist uh, and change with the times. But the way that we've sort of co-opted the commons for a consumer mentality uh, was probably net-net bad for us anyway. And this is the world's way of correcting it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wonder what your reaction is to some of that. Because I, you know, I I think you think very deeply about these kinds of things. And maybe, maybe I'm being a little too philosophical. I don't know.
2: No, no, there's a lot to, um, to think about there. And um, I think I agree with you. I think that I, I I don't I I agree I don't know that you you know kind of a lot of retail in in the last several decades has been all that great much of it has been fueled by um you know cheap overseas manufacturing which has relied on the abuse mm-hmm. of everything from from people to um you know natural resources so so I think that what I would also say as an adjunct to I guess it's always been there, right. That, you know, kind of my parents, my in-laws, like, you know, they, they would always go walking in the mall, you know, I mean, like, what is that, but, you know, kind of the mall as a common space. And I, you know, you just kind of, you know, the light bulb just went off for me when you said that, but, um, but, uh, but I agree that I think that, you know, we are going to head back or we will, um, embrace true common spaces. Um, mm. but it also raises, um, it it brings forward all this conversation that we're having now about ESG um factors right environmental social and governance mm-hmm. factors mm-hmm. and i have heard and i feel like it's everywhere now and, and yeah people will be like oh we've been talking about this for you know decades and why is it any different now and i will say that it's different now because more people care um i think it's different now because um People will actually, I think that there are now enough investors that if they are given enough of a case about the ESG values of a company, they'll actually choose to invest there, even if the Mm. return is potentially lower. Um, you know, yeah. and I, I, that's, that I think is the big, um, you know, and, and if enough people choose to go in that direction, the stock actually goes up, not down, right? So, um, is,
0: yeah, such a good point because i uh, <laughs> sorry to cut you off. This is such a good point because we were already on that path, right? Pre-pandemic. And you look at the, uh, the business round table and the redefinition of mm-hmm. stakeholder Tables, and you look yeah. at, Um, and and you look at the corporate response in uh, in light of the lack of government response early in the pandemic, uh, companies like Starbucks implementing social distancing before any states or federal government had any action, I think that you're onto something there, Um, that corporations can uh, be ambassadors uh, and capital markets will fund them if they're doing the right thing, that uh, uh, that resonates with what the general populace believes is, you know, quote unquote, good for society. Um, it's whether our definition of good for society is durable is my question.
1: And Um, I think back to your, your thought processes around common spaces and where money is going now, local towns, places where you live, not the places where you worked, not the places that you flew to, but to where you live. I think, if you think about you know what that looks like, in, in fact, in my town, we have had more streets shut down and more like 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 town events than ever I have ever seen out of any yeah, town. in a good way. Ever right. in a good like, way. In a good way yeah. right. Shut down for 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 common spaces where people can go and eat outdoors and and you know and shop outdoors and be together in a socially distanced manner outside. Like
2: so interesting. Where where is this? Is this, this is in <laughs> Florida, right?
1: No, I'm I'm actually in a
0: suburb outside of Seattle.
2: Oh, you're outside, okay.
0: Yeah, that's I'm in great. Palm Beach, you're and in Palm um, Beach. and this is where we're moving. Uh, apparently, Silicon Valley is coming to South Florida. So um,
2: <laughs> I heard that. Uh, so, so
0: that's what I keep hearing. Um, <laughs> Zillow seems to think it has an effect on my on on my <laughs> on my Zillow, zestimate. Zillow so thinks, Zillow thinks everything has an effect on your zestimate.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, the the I, I think, but ultimately, what I think what's interesting about all of this though is when we talk about the you know the environmental, governmental, and social values that are changing. That um that I, I think we're going to see investments that ultimately result in investment in
0: specific physical communities. Um, Axios thinks so. It, Axios is launching ultra you know ultra specific media for uh, you know second and third tier markets. I I, um, I think that's super smart. I think that's exactly yeah. where we're headed right now. And I think I, 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 Brandon, who's going to say hyperlocal? hyper-local, first. hyper-local. Who's going to do it? <laughs> Is it Suturita? Or are you going to say hyperlocal? You credit it us, Philip. Getting back on track. This we, we, we forgot Suturita's here. I'm sorry. We, sorry. we do that sometimes. Um, hot takes as we kind of like come up on time. What do you think next year looks like? You said you know mid year where maybe things are kind of you know breaking off rust and creaking back to motion. Um, Anything else that's sort of top of mind for 2021 in the retail sector?
2: It's a big question. I mean, is there going to be any major recovery, any major differences? And I think that we will likely. I mean, we're, we've got to remember we're still in the middle of a second wave. We most of the ICUs it seems are at capacity. I mean, it's going to be a while that we are going to continue. I think in the in the direction that we are right now to completely turn the direction of the tanker. It's going to take some time. So one of the things that we started to see in 2020 that we will likely see in 2021 is just the growth in category in, in, you know, kind of sectors like um, consumer packaged goods. And um, Mm. we started to see more of them doing things like selling direct to consumer. And I think that a lot of them are still very skeptical about the opportunities. And um, the ones that have embraced it the most have been in categories like maybe beverages or coffee or, um, you know, some of these replenishment purchases like snacks. Um, but I I can imagine over time that we start to see more creativity, even um, you know, kind of with uh, with with other sectors in in perishables or or non perishables and. Um, you, you know, whether it's it's leveraging business development partnerships or thinking more creatively about how they ultimately fulfill things, um, now is really the time that these companies have the opportunity to to experiment, and there's an appetite to trying new and different things. Um, so, so that I think will will definitely be um, something that we'll see more of in in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to see a ton of retailers in this past year, invest in media networks and, um, start to invest Mm -hmm. in advertising. Uh, (laughs) And that is something that, um, I, you know, we've been talking about for a while because retailers had really only historically ever made money, um, by selling products on their own site. And, um, or in their on their venues. And what is different about this is that they're monetizing their eyeballs, their foot traffic, just, you know, kind of they're, they're looking at themselves as media properties. And that makes a ton of sense, because when you look at their raw numbers, they're as big as any media property. So to think about themselves as an alternative media channel, um, becomes really, really attractive, and that's why you know you started to see news about everybody from Walgreens to CBS to you, you know kind of um, you know Target and and Walmart over you know the last several months really rolling out and continuing to build on those um, initiatives. My question will be, um, you know, will will advertisers um, respond to this, and you, you know, kind of, ha- what's the right model to to make everybody? um, feel good about this. And I, you know, kind of that's where I'm hearing that there's still a little bit of hesitation, but, um, I think the idea is a good one. Um, it's, uh, you know, kind of, we keep hearing about the shakeout in physical stores and redevelopment of physical landscapes and physical properties. And I think that, um, it's not something that we necessarily will see in 2021 because things like that, I think take time, but we'll see the beginning of it in 2021. And, um, This is, uh, you know, I mean, we've heard all the stats about the U.S. being more overstored than every other country in the world, but you know, I I don't, I don't think we're as overstored as we think we are. I mean, we also buy more crap than everybody else in the world, so, so that's part of the reason (laughs) for that. But, um, you know, but there, there will probably be a, you know, a ten to fifteen percent shakeout, and, um, you know, a lot of it is, it's going to happen slowly because it's not going to be like, you know, all of those places are all concentrated in the same you know, kind of shopping centers, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's dispersed. So, um, you know, companies need to think about how do you, how do you um, take advantage of, you, you know, kind of, how can you be more nimble with um, open space? You know, do you, do you sublease it to, to, you know, potentially to, um, you, you know, tenants that you had, wouldn't have considered in the past? Um, you know, Hmm. so, so those, I think that, that we'll start to see, you know, a lot of interesting creativity in the physical retail, physical, um, physical space that was previously occupied by retail.
1: Totally agree. 100% agreement. I think we're going to get super creative with, uh, with retail space and outdoor spaces as well. Um, a
0: lot of open air stuff I think will happen this coming year.
2: Right. Hmm. Absolutely.
0: And if, if not, you know, everyone's wearing a yurt. (laughs) <laughs> um right,
2: around yurt? oh yeah yeah
0: i oh yurts I, are micro we've got nano yurts now personal yurts, yurts. <laughs> this is uh brian took a picture at chick-fil-a drive-thru <laughs> of the chick-fil-a people all wearing yurts like they, like this is big, like, like little plastic tent. person tent it's like a little personal tent <laughs> um what a way to end the show my gosh um uh, <laughs> 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 always brilliant to have you on the show, Sucharita, It's it's always a pleasure. Thank you so more. much for sharing We've your to come back again soon. I oh, know.
2: anytime, anytime. You ever need like <laughs> I'm a <sure>. guest host? <laughs> I'm yeah, hey,
0: that's you heard it here. Uh, <laughs> our newest property. Uh, it's a Future Commerce X Forrester. Um, <laughs> um, this has been great, Sucharita Kadali. Thank you so much. Where can people uh, find you? Can they follow you on Twitter or somewhere where uh, they can get more of your musings?
2: Oh, uh, sure. Sure. It's, uh, I, I do Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, so Twitter is actually my maiden name. So that's, um, Mulpuru. So it's S Mulpuru, M-U-L-P-U-R-U. And, uh, or you can, um, follow or link in with me on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much.